nere veis nist vosir zog kei nere veis nist vosir From the Jewish Food Society, I'm Amanda Dell, and this is Schmaltzy, personal stories about food and the people behind them. The unofficial start to summer is almost here. The days are longer, the weather's warmer, and love is in the air. And it's the perfect time to share a special love story with you. Today on Schmaltzy, we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to take you back to 2018, when Moshe Wanunu and Alex Saul went on their first date. A date that included great stories, amazing food, and of course, plenty of schmaltz. I remember October 3rd, 2018, like it was yesterday. I was down at the Angel Orenzen's Foundation on the Lower East Side, getting ready for one of our live schmaltzy storytelling events. See, I love stories. They're a big part of our DNA and at the core of what we do here at the Jewish Food Society, connect people through recipes, identity, and community. And at Schmaltzy, we feature stories about love, loss, success, embarrassment, and everything in between. Then we serve special signature dishes that are inspired by the stories. It's a unique and intimate experience. And according to Moshe, that's what makes it such a great place for a first date. Honestly, I think that was one part of the intrigue of this date was like, this is something totally different. This is not your traditional, like, let's grab wine and see if we like each other enough for a second glass of wine type situation. And that night, we whipped up some incredible storytellers for the evening, each adding their own unique flavor like restaurant editor Jordana Rothman. So in the ensuing melee, I try to rip the tablecloth from out from underneath the dishes, only, you know, it turns out that I'm not a magician. I'm a food writer, so all the glasses tip over and it doesn't work out. We had food scholar Dara Goldstein. Throughout my childhood, my mother talked longingly about a dish called pcha, which is basically calf's foot jelly. <laughs> Pastry chef Zoe Kanan. I remember asking her, Grandma, won't the cakes taste old by the time they get all the way to New York? And she would say, oh, it takes a few days for them to reach peak flavor anyway. Spice blender Lior Lev Sarkar's reflected on perseverance and pakaila. Pakaila to me is a source of joy and really going back home in tradition and bringing people together around the table. But First of most is the idea that life can and perhaps should be a little bit complicated. Jake Dell talked about finding his place at his family's world-famous Katz's Deli. The restaurant bore witness to my official entrance into manhood. Bar Mitzvah. The next time you come into the restaurant, you'll see my favorite neon sign. It says, Jake's Bar Mitzvah. Soon after we got that neon sign, a waitress went up to my father and asked, what's the deal with the new beer? He goes, what new beer? She goes, you know, the mitzvah beer from Jake's Bar. And as a special treat for the evening, we heard from Josh and Nikki, the fourth generation owners of the iconic New York institution, Russ and Daughters. We want to maintain the connection to the Jewish tradition of this food. They give one customer who comes every Sunday. And when he got married, he married a shiksa. The family was, you know, oi, what are we going to do? A relative asked him, but Larry, you know, how are your children going to know that they're Jewish? And he said, 
Russ and daughters. <laughs> it was such a great night. A night of connection and a night where Schmalti played a vital role in the centuries-long tradition of Jewish romance. Matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find, catch me a catch. You know, honestly, the next stage of my life really began there at Schmalti. That's Moshe Wanunu. And it's no surprise that he talks like someone who could be on the evening news. I grew up in Chicago. I had a fascination with news and journalism at a very young age. So was like allegedly, according to my father, trying to buy the newspaper when I was five years old. He'd give me money for ice cream and I'd buy a newspaper. I would go on to go to college in D.C. at GW and study politics and journalism there. Moshe got his feet wet in some of the most prominent newsrooms in the country. After getting his start at Fox News in D.C., landing a role at Bloomberg TV in New York, he went back to Washington with CBS News, before being promoted and returning to NYC, where he's lived for roughly the last decade. Suffice it to say, Moshe has carved out a career as a man in the know, and eventually struck out on his own. I left CBS in 2019 and started my own consulting company. And then about nine months later, the pandemic hits. And for the first time in my life, I find myself watching a huge news event unfold without working at a news network. So I took to Instagram and I was like, FYI, guys, like it's dangerous. And it sort of grew during the pandemic where I was watching the Fauci briefings and watching the Cuomo briefings and watching what's going on and trying to break things down for folks. And so over time, I've built this, I guess you could call it kind of a news curation where I'm trying to curate breakdown headlines for folks on Instagram and recently launched a newsletter and hoping to launch it on a new platform soon. So I am from Westchester County, from a town called Armonk, and I was always fascinated with the news since I was a kid. That warm and energetic voice belongs to Alex Saul. Growing up, Alex was a regular consumer of programs like The Today Show and Larry King Live. She headed up to Syracuse University for college and went on to work as a producer in daytime TV and eventually for Madison Square Garden. And like Moshe, Alex has an entrepreneurial spirit. And most recently, I started my own business doing website design, branding, social media management for female entrepreneurs. Back in 2018, Moshe and Alex were making names for themselves in their careers, putting in long hours, and on top of that, sort of working another side hustle, dating. Before you first date with each other at Schmaltzy, what were some of your typical go-tos for meeting up or getting to know other people? Oh, that's a really good question. I would make sure that I called the person before I went on the date. Because if they couldn't have a conversation with me, if they were anxious, if they didn't want to have a phone call first, I knew they weren't for me. This one guy I had a good conversation with, we ended up going to this vegan Chinese, right? Who knows what he picked, but he showed up. He rode a bike for like 15 miles to get to the date. So he was sweaty. He had his bike helmet on. He was just, I could tell from the moment that I, you know, met him, this, this guy was not for me. But overall, I really enjoyed dating. My first date go-to was typically a bar or a restaurant. Usually ones that were convenience via the subway between my home and their home. (laughs) 
I was busy working, I was busy dating. And by the way, it's work. It is work putting in talking on dating apps. It's work planning the date. It's work getting dressed to go to the date. So what was your experience like on dating apps? Good, bad, indifferent, any horror stories? Well, you know, it's so funny. Your life is your life and you go through various cycles. I was optimistic, but growing increasingly frustrated over that whole process. I never lost hope. I never lost hope. I What I really did was after my last breakup, I was 29. I was living with the person. Great guy, great family. And I had expressed things that I wanted it for us. And they just never happened. So we broke up and I said to myself, I'm going to be okay if I'm single. I went through various iterations of my feelings about dating apps. I was single for a long time. I think I started with when J-Date was just on computers. And there was a stigma attached to it. And then sort of the stigma went away. And as the stigma went away, just the frustration erupted, which is like, oh my God, like all these people, I'm overwhelmed. How do I effectively vet the person where you don't talk too much, but you talk just enough to know that you're meeting the right person? So... It's more an art than a science. I'd gotten to the point where I tried this app, The League. What I liked about it was that it worked your like LinkedIn and professional profile into the algorithm. Sounds fancy. (laughs) I think it it was started by like a Stanford alum to be a little fancy. Yes, (laughs) like the most random dating app. It is not like nobody. I mean, there are some people that meet on The League, but it's not the regular, you know, Hinge or Bumble. For me, then it was like, oh, they either work in journalism or they're interested in media or they're just like working in a similar field. And you had that added background. And I had worked in news previously as well. So I knew a lot of the same people that he worked with, which was really great. Clearly, you both had a lot in common. I'm curious if you remember a message or two that really sparked some interest. He said on the dating app, actually, he said, I cook. I can cook. He should have said, I can cook. So take me into your busy lives leading up to your first date on October 3rd, 2018. Alex, this is when you were working at Madison Square Garden, right? What kind of events were you doing? Rangers games, Knicks games, concerts, all of that. And then in between, nights with friends, going to concerts with friends, and then going on other dates. At that point, I was executive producer of the CBS Evening News. My day began very early doing what I do now, listening to like three or four podcasts before 7 a.m., reading the news headlines, getting internal emails on what's happening in the news. I was a mid-30s single Jewish man in New York City. And so it was a challenging job because you run the evening news, you're managing 150 to 200 people, you have bureaus in London, you have correspondents in you know China, the Middle East, all over the world. So I'm focused on that, but I'm at the same time focused on like, you know, Am I going to find the one? And it so happens that leading up to October 3rd, I was messaging with this girl, Alexandra, who said she went by Alex. And we had actually planned a date for the following week. I gave him three weeks out and (laughs) he was patient. But it turns out a friend sent me a note. Hey, like, are you interested in coming to the event tonight? Maybe I'm a little biased, but I think an evening with some schmaltzy storytellers is a perfect first date. What did you know about the event before you got there? Zero knowledge and was super impressed. I knew food. I knew Jews and was like, oh, this is really exciting. And I'm excited about meeting this girl next week. I wonder if she would be available tonight to come with me to this event. We were DMing and we were texting and he was persistent. I messaged Alex like, hey, is there any shot 
you're available to meet me tonight ahead of our date. There's a good vibe on the on the dating app. But there was one morning, I think it was October 3rd, where he DM'd me and he said, I got these two tickets to the Jewish Food Society event. Would you want to come? And I said, listen, it's Jewish food event. I like, I think there's a Katz's Deli and some other stuff going on there. Any chance, you know, you're game for it. And I actually had planned to meet a girlfriend that night and she was sick. And, you know, it's so interesting because I, I joke with her because she is such a planner and I'm such a spur of the moment guy that like. Well, I, you know what? Listen, I like to plan, but then I also like to be spontaneous. And especially getting an invite to the Jewish Food Society. Of course, I said yes. And so she says yes. It happened so fast. It was like, do you want to come to this thing? And I was working and then I, I like ran straight to the Angel Orisan Center where the event was held. And I wanted to get done with my day of work as quickly as possible and pray that the New York City subway system was running on time. So, you agree to meet up at the Schmaltzy event on the Lower East Side. You get there. It's a pretty big space. Do you remember first spotting each other? It was so interesting because it was a first date. And leading up to the date, we had messaged. And then I said, Alex, meet me outside. You know, I'll be wearing a blue shirt or whatever. And I got there early, about like five minutes early. And I stood outside waiting for him. And like initially, I was scanning the crowd. And eventually I was like, okay, she, that's the one. And I could cry because I just remember meeting him. And... It, he changed my life just off the bat. Like, I just remember him coming up and he was scurrying because he was rushing. I think he was a little bit late. He was coming from the evening news. We walked in and I think immediately the event dives into these stories. And at the same time, we're like very intrigued to like get to know each other. So you were one of the ones like chatting during the stories, basically, is what you're saying. We may have been shushed a couple times, <laughs> but I we did do a good job listening. The thing that I took away from it all is I think both of us have a really interesting family Jewish and food story. And I think the event connected with me in that way, I could relate to these stories because so many of us grow up and we have our grandparents or our parents cooking certain foods and there's a cultural connection to them. So I think just generally my memories of that night is just the connection, those foundational foods, the smells, the tastes, and the meaning behind them. Honestly, I've gone on quite a few first dates in New York. This feels very different than your typical Let's get a drink at a bar. Honestly, I think that was what part of the intrigue of this date was like, this is something totally different. This is not your traditional, like, let's grab wine and see if we like each other enough for a second glass of wine type situation. It was an excellent first date. Excellent, because it really opens you up because you're listening to all these stories about their life, their childhood, their grandparents, their parents. And then it makes you afterwards want to talk about that stuff. It's interesting. I remember the Tunisian story because my dad's family, my father's from Morocco. And so I think, especially on the first date, Alex knows that I love history and culture. It's like, oh, this is where like we got deep about our family and our love of food and connection, much deeper than you typically get on a first date. So you hear these great stories, you bond over food, you get shushed. Sounds like a pretty good first date. 
We were so sad when it ended that we ended up going to a beauty and Essex restaurant down the street. Did you have a plan to do something after? No plan. No. Anyone who's ever been on a first date knows it could go many different directions. Obviously, I was very confident and hopeful and immediately knew, oh, this is something. And it's a very special first date when you've already spent a few hours and you're like, I'd like to spend a couple more hours with you. Definitely. And do you remember the drinks you ordered after to keep the night going? Probably a tequila soda. <laughs> I'm, bo- I'm boring like that. But you know what? You don't want to wake up and feel sick the next day. It was a school yeah. night. It was a Wednesday night. But I will say that we did shut down that place. Like, if it was possible to find a third location after last call at Beauty and Essex, we would have found a third location. So we basically ran out the clock on Schmaltzy and then went to a bar and were the last people getting kicked out of that bar. Wow. There was no, like, awkward moments. Well, one thing that I was intrigued about and excited about was just, like, Alex's interest in everything. You know, even at like an event like this, where like you have history and culture and food mixing, her experiences, the way she discussed it, the way she tells stories, it felt right. And so I don't remember, I don't know, have we ever had an awkward moment, Al? We have awkward moments all the time. Oh, sorry. (laughs) But in the best way. I mean, that's what makes us, that's what just, if you don't have those awkward, funny moments, What is life? You have brought so much to my life. And I do believe I have brought so much to your life. It's funny. I get chills. Like, honestly, my life changed that day, right? Like, I I met my future wife in person for the first time. A lot has happened in the world since Moshe and Alex met. And the two have gone on to build a life together while making some headlines along the way. In July of 2021, the New York Times chronicled their love story and gave Jewish Food Society a nice shout out for hosting their first date. The Times article shared another important date, June 10th, 2020. On that day, in Central Park, Moshe gave Alex a necklace with a hamsa that once belonged to his grandmother. A violinist played To Be With You, as he proposed, with friends and family strategically hidden around the park. Thirteen months later, the two tied the knot. Moshe and Alex recently bought a home in Brooklyn, and it sounds like bonding over good food and good conversation is still at the core of their relationship. So, we're coming up on almost five years since you first sat across the table from each other at Schmaltzy. And I'm curious, who do you want to see around your table in the future? I get such a warm feeling around meals. And I I love the way you asked that, by the way. Like, what do you see around the table? If anyone is wondering, Moshe's tearing up a little bit. (laughs) God willing, we're healthy, we're safe. We have our loved ones, our friends and family and, you know, God willing, children around the table. We wrote that in our ketubah. And that's all I hope for, to be around in person and not on Zoom with the people that we love for as many meals as possible. I feel the same way. Well, I I definitely wish that for both of you. Thank you, Alex and Moshe, so much for being here and joining us today. Thank you for having us. This was so special. And sharing so honestly your story. And you've set the bar high for the next schmaltzies and the next love match. So well, well, we, we want to be there. We want to come to every there. single schmaltzy <laughs> event. There's before that schmaltzy event and there's after that schmaltzy event and life change for both of us. And so I can only hope and wish that more people will have that sort of experience. And that's how a night of amazing food and great storytelling was the perfect recipe for a first date. 
Moshe and Alex are exactly what we here at the Jewish Food Society are all about. People telling personal stories about family, culture, identity, and how food and tradition shape it. We hope you can join us at one of our in-person schmaltzy events very soon. You never know what you'll learn, what you'll eat, or who you'll meet. For recipes and family stories from around the world, head over to jewishfoodsociety.org. Schmaltzy is produced by the Jewish Food Society in partnership with Pod People and made with love in NYC. Our executive producer is Nama Shafi, and our theme music is by Yuval Semo. Special thanks to the team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Madison Lesby, Robin Gelfenbein, Carter Wogan, Michael Aquino, and Tony Mantia. This episode was recorded at Gotham Studios. I'm your host, Amanda Dell. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.